Hi, and welcome to the podcast, Use Your Powers for Good. I'm your host, Carolyn Ofer-Moselle, and I am so glad that you're here today. This is a podcast to inspire leaders, managers, and supervisors to use your powers for good and put more kindness into the world. Today, our guest is Carol Hamilton. Carol is Principal of Grace Social Sector Consulting, LLC. Her organization helps nonprofit and and association board staff and key volunteers become more focused and aligned. Today, Carol is going to talk to us about mistakes organizations make in strategic planning. Welcome, Carol. We are so glad that you're here today. Glad to be here and thank you for having me on, on your podcast. So let's get started with your story. Tell us what inspired you to do this work um, that you're doing um, with the Grace Social Sector Consulting. Yeah, I um, got into the nonprofit sector quite a while ago. Um, Started out with my very first job after college, which was now eons ago, um, working for a small company that helps people get on talk shows. So with their publicity, et cetera. But of course, because it was a business, we we took all comers. And I, I realized that, um, you know, if I was going to be uh, helping folks and helping them get their word out, helping their, get their message out to folks that I really wanted it to be doing it for um causes that I believed in. And so that's what got me started in the nonprofit sector. And as I worked in organizations, um, worked for a number of different organizations that had just really wonderful uh, missions and aspirations for the kind of change and positive change that they wanted to see in the world. Um, But then started noticing kind of a, a gap or disconnect between those missions that they were trying to promote out in the world and then how they were actually interacting with each other inside the organization, their organizational culture, how they were treating each other. And so that intrigued me and kind of like what, you know, what is that disconnect? Where does that come from? So started doing a lot of reading and that finally led me to the field of organization development and um, ended up getting a degree in that from American University. And through that process, um, decided that what lines up the best between those interests, organizations' needs, and kind of my skills was around strategic planning and helping them bring the larger group together to get to greater alignment and come to agreement around a couple big goals that they're going to pursue. Okay. Now tell us what um, your organization does. So I consult with um, nonprofits and associations. So associations are a subset of nonprofits. Um, They're membership organizations typically working for a field. Um, And with those groups, typically small to medium-sized organizations, I'm working with staff and board to help them come up with their um, three to five year plan. What are those big things that they want to go after? And and then how are they going to do it? And how are they going to know when they're successful? So I read on your website that you make strategic planning fun. 
I have no idea how that happens. All the strategic planning sessions I've been in have been long, grueling sessions, either when I facilitated them or when I just, you know, participated in them. So how do you make these sessions fun? Well, I think first is that that I enjoy it. So that brings something, right? I mean, I think yeah. I think too many folks um, kind of dread the whole process. Mm-hmm. And um, but for me, you know, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be grueling. Um, I mean, I typically am working with an organization over a period of three to three to six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're kind of going in and out and, you know, at the beginning, I'm working with them to think about who am I going to talk to, and mm-hmm. um, and then I, I kind of go off and, and talk to all those folks and gather that information, and then bring it back to the to the group for, you know, these are the big things that I'm hearing. What mm-hmm. meaning do you make of that? What what implications does it have for your future? And then going through a couple uh, sessions. Usually now in the online space, we can keep them to no more than two hours, uh, which right. I think is really nice. Um, and give some time for people to kind of have some some thought and some processing in between sessions so that it and and bringing some visual elements in, bringing the human element in um uh you know and and there may be folks who go through and say that still wasn't that much fun but um i try not to i try not to take myself so seriously in all of it so i think that's part of it too well, I think also with um with the process like having to go virtual, not by choice, um, that that gives an opportunity to keep that two hour that well that you know process that was um, routinely a whole day, you know sometimes a two day process into a couple of hours that are more palatable and bite sized, and it sounds like you do a lot of work. Um, through this process, I don't know if just virtually, um, since you've been virtual, but do a lot of um, work ahead of time so that by the time you get to the session with everyone, you know, they're, they're, you have a great starting point. Yeah, and I would have done that in person as well. But I think, you know, the typical one day retreat, um, yeah, by the time you're actually having to make decisions, mm-hmm you know, you're, you're after lunch, it's mid afternoon or late afternoon. You're, you've been thinking hard all day Mm -hmm. about, you know, where are we? What are the big trends that are impacting us? What do we imagine we might be in three to five years? And then what do we actually want to decide and commit to doing? Mm -hmm. And, and that's a lot to ask for, ask of people to do all in one day or even two days. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, moving online, um, I've actually seen a lot of benefits and, and part of it is that kind of breaking it down into smaller, more manageable chunks. And then the other thing that I, I've definitely, um, and this was partly from my association days of working with a lot of volunteers, is I realized, you know, Netflix or any of the shows do a great job of doing a, that little snapshot at the beginning of reminding you what happened on the last episode. Yeah. So that's actually how I try to start. It's like, okay. <laughs> a graphic with like where are we in the process right. so you have a map and we it's like okay we're here right um we've done this so far this is where we have to go and then mm-hmm. reminding people of the conversations and the kind of takeaways and decisions that they made in the previous uh, meeting because you know for so many volunteers even for staff they're running from one zoom to another another yeah. one project to another 
And it just helps people ground and get oriented. Let's get reoriented to what we're doing today in this Mm -hmm. 90 minutes or this two hours Mm -hmm. and um, remember what we did before so we can build on it. So let's back up a little bit and just, just, just tell us why the, uh, the importance of having a strategic plan for your nonprofit and the, the importance of keeping that plan fresh and, and updated. Um, so let's, let's hear a little bit what you um, stress in that area. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the importance of having one is to um, really make sure that everyone is in agreement and understanding of the direction that you where you're wanting to go uh a lot of times when i'm going into a plan with a group um one of the fears that they have is that there's just going to be this huge wide spectrum of opinion and they're just not going to be able to synthesize it all and and come to any kind of agreement and certainly there's some groups that are in a lot of conflict but typically when i'm i'm if they were, I would say probably strategic planning is not a great thing for you to do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what actually ends up happening for most groups is that there, there's way more agreement than they realize. Mm-hmm. The people are actually more on the same page. But by having the conversations, you bring that out into the open. You allow people to kind of check assumptions with each other. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, ultimately, the goal is not to get a big, huge, thick thing that then, you know, holds up people's monitors mm-hmm. at the end of the process, but a couple pages that outlines, yeah, here are the three to five big goals, here are the action steps in it, here are, here are the success criteria, and who's going to do it by when. Um, so keeping it simple is also important. But other benefits that that uh, folks have, I mean, oftentimes, funders want to see strategic plans. Uh, they often will ask for that in terms of any kind of application. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately, some groups will do, will go into a process just because a funder has told them they have to. Uh-huh. Um, but I think they find that through going through these conversations and um, digging into the assumptions of how we work together, that they come out feeling better about the organization, um, feeling more committed. Uh, and I've seen boards go from being disengaged to engaged by just inviting them into the conversation and helping them shape what the future of the organization is going to be. So there are lots of be- potential benefits. So I am a, a former former government leader, and I've been part a part of plenty you know, committees and task force and work groups. And, and so, you know, sometimes, you know, there's always this, this fear, um, even especially when I'm working with some of my clients that, you know, how do you keep the work from sitting on the shelf? And, you know, how do you, um, keep people keep how, where's the accountability in keeping you know that plan um, keeping that that plan that you participated in um, moving keeping that engagement with it so is there something that you do with your clients to help make to make sure to check in with them or you know to make sure that yeah so one of the things that um, a couple of things that I like to do to, to you know kind of ward that off before you even have a chance of it just becoming something that sits on the shelf is one to keep it simple so not have it be a tome that you know is so long that no one's going to read it because it's you know 
would take that long. You could have gotten some of the things done before you finish reading the report. <laughs> um, so avoid that, that pitfall. Um, but I think the other thing is um, keeping the plan high level and uh, then really honing in on the details in a one-year Im implementation plan. Mm -hmm. um, and not getting caught up in what you're going to be doing when in year two and year three. Like mm -hmm. not worrying about it. But then also committing to a time when you're going to, uh, and a process for how you're going to review and update the plan. Mm -hmm. um, because one of the things we know is as soon as you write something down, uh, something else pops up. Yeah. And, you know, it, how does this fit into the priorities we set? Um, so you need to have a process for reevaluating what's in the plan. There may be things, um, you know, that you thought were going to be important that don't end up being important or, mm -hmm. you know, the universe throws us all a huge curveball like COVID and we got to adjust. Yes. Um, I think, I think the last couple of years have certainly, if anyone was under the illusion that we had any control, <laughs> we should be disabused of it by now. Right. And I think flexible, inflexible people are much more flexible now. Oh yeah. They, they, yeah, they, they, they have to be. Um, yeah. The other thing that I, I like to have uh, kind of co-create with the client is something called a strategy screen. So this is separate from the strategic plan itself. Um, but I have that group have a conversation about what are the important criteria that we're going to use to make future decisions. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, you know, a couple of these will be, how does this fit into our mission? How does this fit into our current strategic plan? But it could have a number of other um, criteria as well. What's our capacity to do this? Are we the right group? Do we have the core competencies? All sorts of different questions that the group will generate in terms of the criteria that they want to make a decision on. Mm -hmm. And then building a tool that uh, basically enables them to um, essentially kind of run any kind of new either opportunity or challenge mm -hmm. that pops up after you've done the plan uh, through so that you can have um, a good decision-making process. It's a little less, um, you know, so often I think uh, in any group, um, if, if you don't, if you haven't agreed ahead of time, kind of how you're going to make the decision, then, um, you know, it get it gets swayed by who's the most persuasive, yeah. who can write the best memo, mm -hmm. who has the most influence, whether the idea is a good one or not. Um, so having a tool like this kind of separates the um, the personalities from from the issue, mm -hmm. and having had the conversation before you're thinking about um, the the uh, whatever the opportunity is, mm -hmm. um, also kind of decouples it, right? Because it's hard to you have something in front of you. Maybe it seems really exciting, mm -hmm. um, but if you're trying to think about that content or that issue right then and how you're going to decide mm -hmm. it's it's really swayed by that that particular instance so that's another thing that i want i i want to make sure that everyone has when we're when we're done working together so mm -hmm. that they can deal with all those things that pop up because they inevitably will so are there um any like the top three mistakes that um organizations make in strategic plan that you can tell us about yeah, so I think um, one of the big ones is um, trying to have it be uh, too controlled or 
I think a lot of folks are are uh, have some fears about including a lot of people into the process. They think, oh my God, it's going to take forever. There's going to be this kind of cacophony of voices. Um, and then, so they appoint a small strategic planning committee. Mm -hmm. That group does a lot of work, comes back with a plan, and then wonders why folks aren't excited about it. Right. Um, so involving people mm -hmm. and um, at the front end when you're getting input, but then I think also being clear about who's ultimately going to be making the decisions, the final decisions, um, how the input's going to be used um, so that folks are have clear expectations about how what their involvement with the process is going to be um, can really ward off some of that uh, cynicism that happens when, you know, the like, oh, we're going to have this great participatory process, but oops, we didn't invite anyone to the meeting. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah. So. so that's one. Um, I think another one is uh, they're kind of two extremes where um, the the plan can be so pie in the sky that it doesn't account for what's already going on in the organization. It doesn't mm -hmm. account for people's capacity. Um, and and so it's it's so out of reach of the organization that, you know, there's just it's people look at it and it's like, how do we even get started? Because right. we, we, you know, it's exciting to dream big, mm -hmm. but if you're so far from that reality and it's not connected to, to reality, I think mm -hmm. that can trip people up. But then on the other side, um, like I said, trying to nail down every detail, um, trying to anticipate exactly what you're going to be doing mm -hmm. in, in a, you know, two years, three years, and, and trying to nail down all those accountabilities for the entire plan. I think that is another thing that kind of ties people up. And then, and then they feel um, afraid to make any changes. Mm -hmm. And a plan is just a plan, right? It's not, um, you know, it's not handed down. You didn't go up to the mountain and get a, ta a tablet that's right. given to you. It's created by your group. It's on a... Right piece of paper or a Google Doc or whatever it is, and it can be edited, it can be changed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having a process for doing that is important, but uh, I think some those are some of the big, um, some of the big challenges mm -hmm. that, that groups have. Yeah, I, as, you, as you were going through those, I, you know, I've lived some of that as well, being part of a few nonprofits and on the boards. And uh, so yeah, I, I can relate to those challenges that um, come up, especially, you know, it's, I think it's really important to understand in the beginning the process and how people will be engaged in the process. And like you said, who's the ultimate decision maker? You know, we, yeah, you want the diverse voices, but, you know, someone has to make the, the ultimate decision. So I think that's important, important for what I learned based on what you said. I, I have lived that piece of it. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, I think in the, in traditionally, um, boards have been seen as the group that creates strategy for the for the organization but the reality is that you know staff are the ones doing the work day to day and yeah. so they they know a huge amount so this you know i think it's part of also like this i don't know the this western kind of disconnection of like <laughs> we're going to keep the head over here and the body over here we'll right. know they're all one and actually the head is made up of cells too so right, right, it all right. should go together so 
I definitely advocate for staff being involved and, um, you know, depending on the, the governance structure of the organization, you know, definitely as you involve staff being clear about um, which group is going to be fi finally making that decision. So for, for people listening to this who are part of nonprofits, especially smaller nonprofits, and are saying to themselves, uh, I think we need to maybe do something about our strategic plan or, you know, dust it off and just see what, what's, the, what's the best next step in that case. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of small groups won't have done any planning at all, right? They're, they're kind of going year to year, um, uh, funding cycle to funding cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there have been groups that I've worked with where they wanted to do a longer range plan, but they were coming out of a crisis. And mm -hmm. so the, the reality was, as far as they were going to be able to plan out was a year. And so that's what we worked on. Mm -hmm. So it needs to fit, um, fit their situation. Mm -hmm. um, I think a, a good step is, um, I mean, if you can have someone who can come from the outside to facilitate the mm -hmm. process, um, I think that's super helpful. It's hard for either a, a board chair to both be the board chair, lead, be in the conversation and facilitate at the same time. And yeah. you talked about facilitating meetings, so I'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure you are familiar with this. And so it doesn't always have to be um, you know, a, a consultant, you, there might be um, graduate students, whether they're in, I don't know, uh, business school, social work school, public policy, who might need to do a project, who might be able to help out with a planning process. Um, I think another mistake that groups make um, that we didn't talk about was kind of assuming that it's just about the retreat. Mm. We're just going to show up and uh, a facilitator is going to lead us through some conversations and then magically we'll have some kind of plan. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important um, for, the, for groups to understand that they need to do some research ahead of time. They need to talk to people and they need to have a synthesis of that mm -hmm. so that you have some commonality of kind of where are you starting? Mm -hmm. What's the, the snapshot, if you will, of the current state of this organization? Mm -hmm. Um, so that everyone has a common understanding of that and, and can, and, and when, when that's being presented can say, yes, those, you know, 80% of that holds true for me, but I'm not so sure about this 20%, yeah. but let's, let's talk about that. Um, so I think that's another important thing for, for groups to, to think about. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good point. Um, because, you know, you, you have to make sure that you're at least somewhat starting as much as possible on the same page from the beginning and not, you know, having two people doing that research and then the other seven coming in and having, you know, the opposing opinions about what you came up with. So I think it's really important to have that, um, have that um, people be on the same page um, from the very start. So thank you for that. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell us, like, if you how if a nonprofit wants to work with you, or if you have anything coming up that you can share. Yeah, I mean, just I um, am working with a number of different groups right now. Um, you know, folks just want to um, reach out to me. That that's the first step, and then um, we get on the phone and we just have a conversation about what's going on with their organization. Um, you know, I, I try to get some background and, and uh, just get a sense of, 
where they are, how the how the executive director is feeling, how the board is feeling, what their hopes are, what their concerns are about getting into a process. And um, we go from there. Uh, I'll stick the contact information in the in the description, but is there a phone number or an email that you want to tell sure, us? Sure, yeah. So, so first off, um, uh, I also have a podcast. So if you are a podcast listener, uh, check out Mission Impact um, Podcast. And I, I do an interview uh, and publish those every about every two weeks. Otherwise, you can find me at gracesocialsector.com. And the email is info at gracesocialsector.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. So I encourage anyone who has a small nonprofit, medium nonprofit, right? Small and medium to just think about, you know, where you are in your strategic planning, or if you need to dust off that strategic plan, I'm sure there are a lot of them sitting on shelves. Um, um, When I was in government, I had a whole shelf full of them. Uh, but as I'm sure a lot of them are sitting on shelves and, you know, need to be refreshed. So consider, um, just getting started and, and taking that first step, you know, especially in this environment that we're in now, you know, you have to stay ready, (laughs) you know, (laughs) gotta stay ready. Um, so, um, reach out to Carol if that, if that's something that, you know, you think will be helpful to your nonprofit. So Carol, tell us how you put more kindness into the world? Well, I love this question. I was I was listening to some of your other episodes and I heard this and I thought, oh, what a great, what a wonderful question. Um, I mean, I hopefully in many ways, but one, one that I could think of just in terms of how I do my work, I think um, one of the things that I'm doing a lot of is facilitating meetings with large groups of people. And um, for most people, when they hear the word meeting, you know, it's kind of like strategic planning or going to the dentist. (laughs) Nothing happy is is in any of those things, right? Right. So um, one of the ways that I try to put kindness in the world is, you know, just taking time at the beginning of a meeting to have everyone uh, check in so that we get every every voice in the room, um, designing the meeting in in ways that, that invite um, everybody to participate, mm-hmm. um, you know, not just staying in the large group all the time. So you only end up hearing from the four most bold and loudest voices or the most entitled voices, um, you know, giving people different ways to plug in small groups, all of those different things and trying to, as best as I can, um, create a safer, I never want to say that I, you know, this is a safe environment. This is a safe space. Cause mm-hmm. I think you can't just declare that. Um, right. but certainly in the way that I'm putting together uh, meetings and conversations, I'm hoping that it creates um, boundaries for a safer conversation mm-hmm. for one that people can step into and be heard. And I think, you know, that's that's what people want. They want to be heard. They want to be able to share their perspectives yeah. and to be um, and the people acknowledge and appreciate their contribution and, and feel so that they feel like they've been listened to. Absolutely. Oh, I think that's super important. Absolutely. That's great. That's wonderful. I like that. (laughs) Not that there's any right answer to this question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there might be some wrong ones. (laughs) Yeah, there may be some wrong ones. I agree with you there. (laughs) 
Well, Miss Carol Hamilton, thank you so much for being here today uh, and sharing um, um, about your work and how you help nonprofits. We really appreciate it. So thank you. I so, so appreciate it. Thanks so much for the, for the opportunity. So thank everyone for being here today. And until next time, be better today than yesterday. Be better tomorrow than today. Bye for now. Bye.